Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to the good. Don't call me Pano. The bad. Absolute And the rugby. Folded like a deck chair. With Pano, Lord, and the Hask. I don't know what that means. Hello, everybody. Buongiorno. Welcome to Il Bueno, Il Cattivo e Il Rugby, together with City Index, the leading provider of spread betting, CFD and FX trading. How are we, fellas? We're touring. I feel revived, rejuvenated, a bit of sun, a bit of culture. soaking into your skin. Rugby fans everywhere, very eagerly watching on, ready to pounce. I'm enjoying it. It's a live show in Rome. What's seeping into us? There's lots seeping uh, out of Lemoncello. Lemoncello coming out of us. We had a little Lemoncello yesterday, sent you sideways. You, you were a bit giddy, weren't you? A little cigar in the sunshine on a, on a Friday to make, uh, to make a weekend begin. By the way, are we ever going to be touring or not? Because you two went home very, very early last well, night. We did a lot of work yesterday. Yeah, we did, yeah. We also didn't arrive by your mode of transport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are we sharing that or not? Yeah, we are uh, sharing it. Well, you, well, if you want to come back on it, don't share it. Yeah. Right, okay. Well, <laughs> okay, well, can we come back on it? No. Yeah. Is that, was that an option? Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, Basically, we set options. off several days to arrive here on a small boat with a sail. You, you yeah. joined the guys from Yorkshire. Okay. I did join the guys from Yorkshire. <laughs> Actually, thank you very much, Air Italia, for, um, for letting me cramp my body into a tiny, <laughs> tiny seat with my knees around my ears. How long has it been since you rest your chin on your knees? <laughs> <laughs> a long time. A long time. I've, I've managed to only just get myself massaged out of this shape, which is, uh, which is quite nice. It's very nice to be here. We are here this weekend with England Rugby Travel, and we thought we'd do a bit of a podcast, which is going to be a bit of a postcard of the weekend, I suppose. So we'll talk a little bit about Italian rugby, given that we are here in the Rome sunshine. We'll talk a little bit about the games that are going to happen on Saturday, and then we're off, obviously, to the Stadio Olimpico on Sunday afternoon for Italy against England. Um, just first things first, I mean, how good? I mean, I, you know, we're talking, we've been talking a lot recently about firing up world rugby and getting yeah. the game going again. Wouldn't it be quite nice to take a lick of paint to that and to turn that back into a, an international stadium? Stick a pitch in the middle. Stick a pitch in the middle. With tigers underneath. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? <laughs> That's like flamethrowers, you know, gladiators. You, you talk about where the game should go. A few tigers still underneath, pop up every now and again, ravage someone. Yeah. Are you not entertained? Yes, that, that exactly. would be pretty interesting. It would definitely. I mean, we'd run out of players pretty quickly, I'd imagine. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen what would happen out of you quite quickly anyway. Yeah, well, this concussion thing would disappear very quickly. Yeah. Isn't it? You remember head injuries? Why <laughs> tigers? Um, no, I mean, look, it, it is beautiful. Obviously, being in Rome, just the architecture, the romance. You know, England away. What do you, what more do you need? You said as we wandered down here, and I don't know whether it's the sunshine or the limoncello or the coffee. But you yeah. said I would love to be playing tomorrow. I, Okay, well, and I've not heard you say that. No, much. well, I came out of the hotel, the sun was shining, someone thrust this beautiful City Index Boston ball in my hands, and I decided to 
return to my childhood of, of running through of po of positivity. Of positivity, crash ball lines between cars. I think your handling's improved since yeah. there's, there's, there's a wake of England fans lying, like, yeah. I, I, I return to play protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took out a lamppost, offloading out the back door. It was, um... Well, it was you ran fun. into a lamppost. I ran into a lamppost. Jack scored next to him, but you ran into it. Well, I couldn't find it. a post. Um, <laughs> no, but I did feel quite nice. I was like, do you know what? This is the kind of perfect away day. Yeah. You can smell it in the air, that pre-excitement. All the uh, England rugby travel people are going on a tour around the Coliseum. Yeah. Rome's alive. Why would you not want to play in weather like this? Do you get a little tingle on days like this? And oh, how much have you enjoyed getting out and about in the city, which is something well, that you were saying last night you never really did as a player? Yeah, I, th I think actually it's been amazing. This place is absolutely, you know, we're up by the Spanish Steps, you walk down it, you walk to the Trevi Fountain, you probably said that really in a very northern way, but... <laughs> Trevi Fountain. And then you get down here, I, but the best thing about this town is scooters. Literally scooter everywhere. Yeah. It did take me about an hour to get home because I had no idea where I was going, but... Um, you were having fun doing it. I was having fun doing yeah. it. Dylan Hartley may have made an appearance as well and tried to eat pizza on a scooter while it was moving. <laughs> a very dangerous combination. How more dexterous than he was as he, a player. He takes me this morning going, my eight-minute eight scooter ride home took me an hour and a half. <laughs> so, so there is definitely fun to be had. But no, I agree with I agree. We haven't really ever wandered around the city properly. And now it's, it's been fantastic the last two days and we're still here for two more, so it's great. So a lot of people will say that Italy are only in the Six Nations for a weekend like this, yes. which is possibly a little bit harsh, although when you see recent results, it's easier to sort of stack up why. I mean, if you're going to keep a team in the Six Nations, yes. this is a pretty good reason. Yeah, because... I'm you know, not sure what the Georgia equivalent is. Yeah. Yeah. Tbilisi in uh, February. <laughs> but, but, you know, Murrayfield last week, pouring rain, yeah. you, know, you know, that consistent milky sky you have up there, yeah. versus the sunshine and just everything that goes with it, and the spectacle, even the bells ringing in the background. What? The bells, the, the bells. bells. Coming, master, coming. <laughs> um, I've seen a few of them lurking around, actually. Uh, um, fan club some of our biggest fans. Yeah. 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 No, 100% I keep them in just for this, this reason. Because, as you said yesterday, it's hard to find a bad meal in um, yeah. uh, over here, whereas in England it's, it's harder to find a good meal. Yeah. So, what's the coffee like? I know you're a coffee noise. Well, some good I'll be honest with you. There's a little bit of a thing that the Italians talk a lot about their coffee, but it's very darkly roasted and it can be a little bit burnt. So, as an espresso. It's okay, but for the proper coffee noises, it's actually not my. It's not actually the best coffee. Same with French coffee. I'll be honest with you, but I don't know upset them. But you just have. But I have, actually. But I, that's <laughs> what I was saying. It's all I'm saying, yeah. I don't want to throw this grenade yeah. after you've pulled the pin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's have a word about Italian rugby, in inverted commas. So, interestingly, um, Italy under 20s beat England under 20s 6-0. Doesn't sound like it's the greatest game of all time. I didn't get to see the Where coverage. were they playing this game? Because well, it's but, over here. But it's the second year in a row they've beaten England. They've had three really outstanding teams in 2018, 2020, and 2021. They're off, obviously, I mean, I know they lost heavily to France in, in round one at the under 20 level, but it seems quietly like there is something, uh, real progress being made. But that's what you want. I mean, you look at where France are now. That's all built off the back of an under-20s back-to-back world championships and, and Six Nations. So that's great for the game. It's great that hopefully we'll see these players come on. You're seeing more and more churn in the, in the Italian ranks in terms of the, the first team. So, so yeah, and the two Italian sides, Treviso and Zebra, progress? Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, the interesting one is whether they try and keep all those players playing for those two clubs and you drive it through that way or whether you let you know, if you've got that many young players coming through that are quality, do you let them go play in the Premiership in top 14 um, or play for other, other clubs generally? Um, I think they'll try and keep them at home and they'll try and have a force that they can work their way up through the European Champions Cup and do better in that and then hopefully that then lifts up to Italy. Yeah. But we've got to wait and see. I mean, uh, but it's, 
it's a start, isn't it? You know, that England in the 20s is generally so such a strong outfit. And to, to get those wins back to back can't be a bad thing. Absolutely. I'm, um, I'm sort of quite interested in, you know, the fact that the under 20s doing so well. I, I think it'd be more beneficial to let them go and play around the world. You know, I know they want to have a strong Italian sides, but actually, you know, getting that experience, how good are they actually going to be? These, you know, I know Treviso have done well before and, and, and Zebra, um, you know, they have their moments, but some of them have been awful for a period of time. I'd actually think, get, as long as they get in the national setup, get that kind of opportunity, play even in some of the sevens stuff. I really value sevens as a development pathway. I think that's kind of gone by the by the by, but actually um, then get them to go and play in the top league. So they get that experience playing with some of the best players in the world. And it's a difficult one because Argentina took everything in-house and it made them way better, didn't it? Yeah. For a period. Well, for a period. Yeah. For a period. So, yeah, it, you know, I think you'll, you'll, get it, you'll get, as I said, you'll probably get instant success if you keep in-house, but, or as wherever that success takes you. But then overall, I think you you're better if your players are mixing in the with the with the world game. And, and, yeah, and those tougher, things, those yeah. bigger, those bigger fixtures. You know, getting yeah. that kind of experience. When you come to international level, it's not such a step up. Because yeah. I think that's the problem with with Italy. Very often, you know, you look at some of these sides; they're just thrown together. But now there seems to be a bit more consistency. You know, with with Zanon and Garbisi and guys, you know, getting those opportunities, actually being able to Money bring themselves. Easy. And it's always good to say, isn't it? Zanon. Then you know that Varnish from Gloucester. Like, Varnish. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's worth mentioning as well. We're talking about improvements in Treviso. They were obviously winners of the Rainbow Nations Cup last year, which isn't a necessarily a huge trophy on the global scale, but it is a taste of success and that sort of breeds confidence, etc. Would you agree with Hass that you think the talent coming through the ranks should go abroad to play? Or is there actually quite a necessity to build up Italian rugby from within and get more eyes on it on the club game and more eyes on the international? Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one for sure. Like for the players, I agree with Hask. I think for players' um, uh, sort of skill sets and experience, then you need to let them go. They need to go play, whether it be in Ireland, whether it be in England, whether it be in Japan, well, not necessarily Japan if you want to upskill the Italian game, but whether it be in New Zealand if you can get out there or whatever, like, like what Hask did. It's all about taking on that experience that will make you a more rounded and better player. Um, but for Italian rugby right now, they would probably want to stay and, and build the strongest team, have control over their players, and be able to then hopefully put that onto the field in the Six Nations. You know, there's a lot of calls. At the moment, Italy is one of those teams that's been called to be play a playoff game with Georgia or whoever wins the, the Tier 2 of the Six Nations. So they don't have that luxury at the moment to allow, uh, to allow players to go off and do them themselves. So they've got to reward the players to stay and then hopefully, uh, hopefully get them into a place where they can, the, there is a constant influx of new players that then maybe they can push out. I mean, look, look what it's done for Scottish rugby. You know, Scottish rugby have got two teams, very similar, similar amount of players that are playing the game, got a lot of control. Glasgow and Edinburgh are now doing well and, and look what's happening at the at national level. So, you know, you've got to figure out what works for the union. And when you've only got two teams, it's probably, it's probably trying to make those two teams as strong as you can before you have enough players that you can send elsewhere. They've always had talent. So obviously, Troncon and Demi Diego Dominguez Troncon. in the... Do you remember Troncon? Diego Dominguez. Uh, in the 2000s, it was very much built around there. And then it was obviously Parise, but Marco Bortolami. But it does seem as if there is a greater blend now. You've mentioned a couple. Seb Negri, obviously, Jake Pelledri, who, fingers crossed, will get back yeah. and start playing again. Michele Lamoro really coming on a skipper. I mean, are you seeing a, an increase in the talent? Uh, yeah, I think we are. I think, you know, it's interesting, the, the, you know, what Tin said about the model of the, the under-21s. You know, you've seen, as you said, with France, actually with New Zealand, England, it seems to have gone away from that a little bit. You know, a lot of the players, if they play well, they get whipped straight back out and go back to their premiership clubs. Again, we've talked about premiership clubs dominating. I think for, for Italy, they... Um, 
you know, they are beginning to get those stars and we're beginning to recognise many, you know, a lot more of their names. You know, we, sort of, in my day, you know, Mar Mara Bogomasco, Mirko Bogomasco, yeah. Sergio Parise, you know, you said, um, the, you know, Dominguez, these guys are obviously older. Now, if you look at it, there are a lot more stars. And like Pleasure, you know, playing for, for, for Gloucester and playing so well, obviously, you know, with unfortunate knee injury, he was becoming a real star for them. And I think they just need a few more of those guys, a few more players playing key leagues with key exposure. Because, you know, if you're playing at the same level consistently, you're, you know, yes, stars rise, but actually, it's where you test yourself. And suddenly, when you're going away to play at Toulouse, and you're looking up and going, well, I played against him for France. I know what he's about. I know what he's about. I know what he's about. And then you're able to build that confidence and start knowing that you can compete on the world stage. Because if you're just fishing in the same pool the whole time, how are you going to get better? And in the here and now, do you like Kieran Crowley? Are we seeing a bit of progress? I don't know. I think it's a bit... It's a bit early to He's a master with a tier two team. He made yeah. Canada competitive and well, Treviso competitive. I think that is that is key. You, know, you can put in, if you look at the likes that have gone before him, you can put in people who've coached tier one teams and have got shed led experience. But sometimes you actually need that experience of coaching tier two, what you've got to deal with, what your resources are. Because you can't just stampede in there and go, I need more, I need more. Because it's not, not going to happen. So with Crowley, I think he's done a... a we saw an improvement last yeah. weekend but I think the jury's still out because it's a very, very tough job. You know, Colin O'Shea thought he could make a big deal of it and Colin was a, a great sort of ambassador for the game in terms of understanding how to make players better, but it's not an easy system and you've got to get sort of entrenched in that system to understand yeah. it. And we'll, so we'll see where he takes us. So this is obviously a dangerous piece of content to film because we're filming ahead of the game, yeah. but the idea of it really was just to have a, a few minutes on Italian rugby. And if we were summing up the conversation, for the last five or six years, people have laughed a little bit. They've said it's time for Italy to, you know, drop down and someone else to have a go, etc. Um, but are we saying here in the Rome sunshine, outside the Colosseum, with the coffee waiting, that actually there is the pot is beginning to bubble a bit lower down, and there needs to be a bit of recognition for the progress that's being made? I think yes. I think you should 100% uh, recognise the progression. I, I wouldn't. I imagine it's particularly easy, as Mike said, you know, politics, and, and I, I don't know, this is only guessing, what it's like sometimes when things are really entrenched, how do you change these stuff, and how, you know, with funding and resourcing. But I think they are definitely making progress. You know, Georgia played uh, Portugal, or I know it was a Georgia B side, everyone says, but they, you know, I don't think there'll be a lot of difference. I don't yeah. think uh, Georgia would beat Italy. I think, you know, unfortunately, Italy are the best of not a great bunch. Uh, I would say that because we've lost to Scotland last week, People are talking a bit of trepidation, you know, about today's game. Honest to God, if you know, if England were to lose today, it would be the end the of the world. The world would end. The world would, yeah. because there's no way. You know, England are, are, are a world-class side. Would explode, he? Yeah, it would explode. Yeah. I mean, those players are unbelievable. The side's incredible. You know, they were, they were competing in the World Cup not long ago. They beat the world champions um, before. You know, every dog has its day, but there is no way that you would say they're not even in the same league, Italy versus England. But if they do lose, then I'll then I'll eat my words. I'll eat the, the Colosseum. <laughs> well, it was made of chocolate. I would. You agree with that? Yeah, I, th I think so. Look, I said last year that they are a be they were a better team last year yeah. in terms of their attacking shape and everything else. Their problem was their nuts and bolts around defence, uh, line-out scrums wasn't wasn't strong enough. Yeah. Now, off the game last weekend, I think that is better. Their defence was better. Um, but you are dealing with probably arguably the best team in the world at the moment with France, and eventually their class came through. Um, they've got They've got classy players throughout their back line. They've got good forwards. Um, they run good lines. They they actually create stuff. You know, you know my man crush on Zanon continues. Um, so I think it's, you've got to give them time. They're, they're, I, I don't expect them to win a game, but the gaps are yeah, the gaps are closing. Um, we're obviously going to go and find a coffee now. That's what you do when you're in. But before we do that, 
how good has it been watching influencers in the wild? Oh, wow. Can you just explain? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're here for the rugby and the food and the limoncello. Yes. But there's right. a side pot to all of that. As everyone always points out in the show that, you know, I'm a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do man. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy social media, as you know. I'm quite keen on... I would never describe myself as an influencer, but I try to, you know, we create You're content every now and then. <laughs> not, not intentionally. Very, not necessarily in the right quarters. Hashtag. <laughs> but you come to a place like this... And when I, uh, yesterday, if you follow me on, on Instagram, you'll just see two women doing an absolute catwalk, pirouette, turn, spin, pout, hair foof, carry on. <laughs> but then doing it five or six times, there is people draped on monuments, hanging off buildings to get that prime <laughs> piece of content. And there's a wonderful Instagram page called Influences in the Wild. I saw a woman doing a dance routine earlier, shoulder, <laughs> and you're just like, what are you doing? The whole of the past. You can't walk past anyone for, for, for portable tripods, lighting systems. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested in watching how human sort of integrity has ultimately disappeared <laughs> failed. and failed and we've got absolutely no spines anymore, please come to the Coliseum because you will be blown away by it. It makes me feel very old. Did you, did you catch the uh, orange man doing his little thing on the pipes over there as well? I mean, oh, yeah, there's, enter there's entertainment everywhere. Yeah. Entertainment everywhere. I, I have taken the video, so I'll put that up on my stage. We've got a bit of work to do today as well with England Rugby Travel, so time for a coffee. Uh, we'll regroup a little bit later on and we'll debrief on the games uh, between Wales and Scotland and France and Ireland. But if you are going to do away days in the Six Nations, I think there's just Pips Edinburgh at this time of year, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Happy days. Um, just before we do go and grab a little espresso, um, we had a little word this week as well from our new friends at Honda. Uh, many of you will remember their advertising brilliance over the years, particularly the COG advert. I'm not sure we can quite get to those sorts of levels of creative genius. But it is worth mentioning that many of you will know already that Honda are, of course, one of the RFU's official partners. Um, and they are supporting the real cogs of our sport, rugby, at the moment. The volunteers who are doing their bit to keep the game moving forwards and the local clubs across the country uh, doing what they need to be doing. Will you two behave, please? Honda believes in a challenging spirit, the joy of trying things, and perhaps embracing failure, which, as we said last week, uh, we're very good at. So they've come back for a bit more of the latter. And just like England Rugby and its supporters, Honda believes in the power of dreams. As we are here in Rome, my word, you can dream big in the sunshine. You can find out more at honda.co.uk forward slash endurum forward slash Honda XRFU if you'd like to know more. Well, I think we could get used to this. Exactly. New office, please. New office, new studio. Obviously, uh, the calm before the storm here in Rome. There are a lot of England fans actually out uh, ahead of the kickoff this afternoon. So we've come together <laughs> yeah, for right. a bit of a debrief on yesterday's rugby, just to sort of pick up, I suppose, on where we've been. I've, I've always wanted to do this. Do you remember watching, what was it called? James Richardson doing the, the Sunday papers with an espresso at the Italian football on Channel You managed to get one paper. I one paper, which we'll get into a little bit later on. Okay. Corriere della Sport. And no one, none of us can read it, so it's Well, I've actually put it into Google Translate, so I've, I know what one Have of you? Says, yeah. Well done. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Um... God, we've had a good weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have. So far, so good. Two, so two lemon cellos. It's a shame you, yeah. you, tie, you two are shooting back after the game, aren't I know. Just do one more night. I know. Um, I've got a media day to promote a flipping tour yeah. right. tomorrow. So, 12 interviews with various high-powered local news yeah. outlets like <laughs> Binfield Argos and... Horse and Hound. You've got to get used to the... Uh, um, to the Alan Partridge of interview. I have. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. Alan's deep bath. Our next <laughs> guest, former England rugby player James Haskell, tell us all about his tour after Shaking Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> this old house. Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Queen is dead. Long live the Queen. I'd just like to report the Queen's actually not dead. <laughs> <laughs> that would be breaking news on the podcast. Um, 
We watched a bit of, we actually watched, we watched more rugby yesterday than I think we watched in round one. Certainly mm. you did. You were made to sit and enjoy it. I was, yes. Um, the gunpoint forced. Gunpoint, but, gunpoint, but I love yeah. the way we watched it in true, authentic uh, Italian fashion. What? Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> yeah, Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> really disappointed that we've come to Rome and we ended up in the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> it you, was a lot of fun. You, I mean, you, you told a story yesterday for the England Rugby Travel Guys that we've been doing work with about how you ended up in Planet Hollywood. I've got, I think you've got a, a, a fact... Uh, Fascination with chains, American yeah. chain restaurants. I know. That's what Jim Telford said, isn't it? That's what the English do. Yeah. Go to a fish and chip shop and drink Guinness. I, I, I refuse unless... Always you know, find an Irish bar. Unless I go on holiday and there's an Irish bar with a only fools and horses truck stuck through the roof of it with independent <laughs> traders on it and it does a, a, you know, a full English breakfast, you can't possibly go at all. No. No income tax. No VAT. Oh, let's start in Cardiff. We had a funny feeling that Wales might get up, having been very flat in round one. Um, it's a heck of a result for them, one they desperately needed. But I'm going to start with Scotland, first of all. All the hope, all the expectation, all the chat of a first title, and then that happens. I mean, it's amazing what, how quickly things can change in seven days. Yeah, obviously, we, we, had, to, we had to head off to England Rugby Travel, so we missed the bit where the game swung, because uh, it was 17-10, it was I think. Was it 17-10? Or yeah. Where we left. Yeah. Um, then, obviously, it went 17-all, and then a drop, damn big a drop goal, uh, which is a rare sight now. It's yeah. like a UFO getting a drop goal in a game nowadays, isn't it? Um, Sweetly struck it was, though. Hundreds test for Bigger as well. Nice way to mark it. What a boy. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, really lovely guy. You know, obviously, to cap I mean, what a day. To captain your country, to get, you know, a drop goal, score a load of points, and to beat Scotland, who were arguably the favourites. Yeah. I mean, I... You've got to care enough to sort of take glee in other people's misfortune. I never do. I love the sport of rugby. But I kind of was a bit like, yeah, we pumped Scotland up. This is their moment. Ah, oh, he balls it up again. Right. Um, but, you know, they, they would have beaten England. That's quite exciting. They'll come and ruin us, someone else's party, I think. Yeah, it is, now it makes the France game where they'll try and ruin France's party. Yeah. So. Um, just but, on, yeah, shame. Just on bigger, though. Yes. You, there are sort of perceptions in the media. And he, he sort of built this... He's a lovely We used to do some stuff with him at Sky. Yeah. Lovely, lovely bloke off the field. Yeah. Ultimate competitor on the yeah. field. Yeah. Pain in the arse on the field. Right. Because? I don't know. I, 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 like on the Lions tour, I, I didn't think I was going to get on with him. I thought every time we play Wales, he's chippy, he's gobby. I mean, I. <laughs> but is that, is that a, he's, he is chippy and gobby? No, but, but only on the field. Yeah, like, not in real life. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Johnny Sexton, same thing. I know, like, Johnny Sexton's a hard, like a hard taskmaster off the. Off the field, he demands standards. Dan does the same thing in, in, in training. Like, I've seen him kick off and shout, boot the ball away and shout at people. But we've all, I mean, it might shock you to find out I've done that a few times. <laughs> but, um, but on the field, just very competitive, very chippy, being the referee's ear. I mean, I feel sorry for a referee when it's, you know, Ireland versus Wales and uh, the oh, referee's sitting kidding. in the middle. Johnny Sexton's chewing one ear off, mm -hmm. Dan Bigger's chewing the other ear off. Um, but he's just like that. And I never thought I was going to get on with him. He sort of has a little bit of a swagger when he plays. But actually, off the field, Really quiet, really unassuming, and I think it's just that competitive mask people put on. I, I, I was very much the, the same. I think you were very much the same. You know, always um, you know, cross the field. But some of these guys transform. Like Steve Borthwick was like the most interesting one. He is one of the most quiet guys in the world on the field, trash talking, uh, yeah. rubbing your face in the mud, pushing you over, and you're like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. But then off the field, back to being one of the most professional, nice guys you've ever met. Yeah. Who was the biggest one of those that you played with? So team. both both those would have been up there. Really? Biggest yeah. Norse, yeah. Big, biggest, not like biggest Norse. And you're just like, what? You, it just doesn't sit with his personality. Does it put you off your game? No, because... No, it just makes me angrier. Yeah. I, I want to punch him. But then so. Danny Grucock was the most ruthless in, in that respect because 
he he just was like dead behind the eyes. So yeah. he would um, <laughs> he'd you know he'd clear you out by your testicles, tread on your head, elbow you, and then after the game you'd go, Danny, what what were you doing today? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I went, we, you, there's three people missing arms. <laughs> I've got your boot marks on my testicles, and one of them's missing. Can I have it back? And then just go, oh no, and he's so lovely and delightful. Yeah. But it, just that ultimate competitor just that switched in. I think I think it's not a bad way to be. But you've got to back it up if you're going to be like that. Danny Grucker is almost a serial killer, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's Allegedly. There's definitely bodies buried in his yeah. garden. Because he loves tending his garden as well and oh, making bread. That is a, that's a massive red flag, Danny. <laughs> if someone owns an allotment... Landscaping with another mound. It's like out of, um, out of Snatch, isn't it? Beware of a man who keeps a pig farm. Yeah. Yeah. Beware yeah. of a man who tends to an allotment <laughs> six miles away from his gaff and is always seen carrying carpet with feet sticking out the end of it. Yeah. How big a flat tyre is this for Gregor Townsend in Scotland? Oh, look, it's the same as what it's the shoes on the other foot from last week, isn't it? Yeah. You know, again, it was a game that came down to the last ten minutes, and they've come out the wrong side of it. But but, you know, but we, the, we my, always my point with that is that they've they've run this scenario a number of times. They've had big wins and thought, here we go, this is going to happen. And this year, you know, they, the big win in the Calcutta Cup, traveling to Cardiff. I think I'd agree with you as favourites. They haven't won there for twenty years. I think they won in Clonethly a couple of years ago, but. The, the hope this time, the, the talk was this time we kick on, and yet the, the track is repeating from years gone by. Yeah, but, but also at the same time, we've been talking for the last two years that we expect this to be one of the tightest Six Nations ever. Everyone can beat each other. So why are we shocked and surprised by it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's, true. it's like, you know, I think, again, it wasn't, a, if, if it had been a runaway win by Wales, then you'd go, actually, that's what's happened there. It was still a tight game, and it was a three-point game decided in the last ten minutes of the game. So, uh, you know, it's so easy for that to happen, because every team is quality. Uh, we said last, last week, that Welsh team, on paper, is still a quality outfit. Yeah. Yes, they didn't turn up against Ireland for whatever reasons. They've been a slow starter for the last two years, um, but they always get better, and they've got better o over a week, and they things sort of stuck for them. And I think it's very... Uh you know, like, well, sorry, I rephrase that. So, when, so last night we interviewed Eddie Jones, who came on the podcast. I was not Ken Paul, came for the England Rugby Travel Show, beamed in live for all the guests, and he was brilliant, right? But obviously he gave an insight to kind of what goes on behind closed doors, that everything is kind of factual, there aren't mistakes. You know, he's got these metrics he talks about. That, that, A lot of data now. Data, data analysis that can predict, you know, 97%, you know, looking at the stats, who's going to win the, win the game. Right? I mean, he's keeping it very tight to his chest, because <laughs> I know he's not allowed to gamble, but if he did, if he has got that lockdown, you know, he'd <laughs> yeah. start sending us some yeah, tips. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even into it, but I would if he can predict it that well. But it's kind of, you know, factored in. And my point is that, we're actually starting to believe there are other people's rhetoric. So, you know, you look at Wales. Well, the, the narrative around Wales was injury, you know, injury ravaged, kind of not as strong as they wanted to be missing players. You look at the team and you're like, Reece Samit, Cuthbert's back, Dan Bigger. Liam um, Williams was sensational. Liam Williams was yeah, sensational. Ross Moriarty, Tame Basham. These guys were, were, you know, all quality players. But the narrative was weakened. The same thing with Scotland, right? We, we tried to give an overview and actually say, do you know what? These guys are now quality across the board. But we've hyped them up. We've, got, we've, got, we've hyped up. We said they were going to do this. We said they were going to do that. People, all the fans said it. And lo and behold, they, they didn't do it. When actually the facts dictate exactly what Mike says. Very, very close Six Nations. Apart from Italy, everyone can beat anyone on their day. The only people, I and mean, we'll come on to it, you know, France looks sensational. Ireland not far behind. England controlled the game for 60 minutes, yet we're allowing these outside narratives. And I think it's, it's bad because we've been at the game for a little while now. We're starting getting... Hyping. Hyping and getting high on the supply of other people when actually the facts, like Eddie said last, last night, 
everything is a plan, there's a reason for doing this, there's a reason for the selections, and it's very hard because we get caught up in it. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, yeah, it's fine, but I don't You're think... You're slowly becoming a fan. Of course. Yeah, That's what we're, seeing. we're seeing you transform. I am, yeah. You'll be running to the. Yeah, when he, when he starts talking running meters and. Oh, yeah. Statistics. yeah. But I do, I, you know, I do, I do find it quite funny that we do get carried away and actually That's what the we. That's fun sh- of it. That's what, why we're here in Rome. It is, but what we should do is you should base it much more on the, on the factual stuff, you know, and, and go look. You know, have Scotland recently been able to link two two back to back wins at the start of Six Nations? No, they haven't. You know, are they a good side? Yes. Did they absolutely destroy England? No. Was it a narrow game that on a different day with different decisions? We would have won. I think it. We just got to stay a little bit, a little bit. It was a complete, a complete flip flop from last week, yeah. where they actually were in control probably for sixty minutes against yeah. Wales, um, and then ironically we didn't see the most important ten minutes. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they ended up coming on the wrong side. England were in control for sixty minutes, and then a an event happened that then sent made some bad decisions by England. And the, the result went the other way. So it, it, that's how tight we hoped it would be. We want it to go down to the last 10 minutes. You know, even with the France game, it was still unbelievably exciting when we thought, we thought when they pulled 21, what was it, 21 10, 10 ahead? Yeah. Or 24 10 ahead. And then in six 20, minutes. 22 7 they were up. And then in six minutes, they'd scored 16 points or whatever, two tries and a, and a penalty. Yeah. And we're like, okay, this is different now. That's how quickly it can change. Six yeah. minutes, Ireland score 17 points. The, the rugby at the moment is brilliant. Yeah. Just, just you know, as a fan, there are some yeah. really good games. Yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I and think... And, and skill sets. I mean, Villiers again was amazing. I mean, he's a freak of nature. I yeah. said to Hask, he did that tackle. Yeah. And I was like, the power there. Yeah. He's yeah. got some power in him. But then the offload on the inside to Dupont score after four minutes or whatever. Um, That's the first minute. Into yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Uh, we, we were arguing whether he meant to... Whether he was meant to hit Entomac, uh, whether he meant to hit Dupont, yeah. or whether he was leaving it for the guy who was inside. He's just sort of lobbed it up and someone's yeah. picked it up, but... But, um, I think but why is the game so much better but, to watch now? Because it wasn't that long ago. The Autumn Nations series, I know it's obviously no fans. Yeah, but that, I think that's a massive factor. I just don't think you can underestimate how rubbish sport is without a crowd. Like I, I genuinely mean this, and it might come as a surprise to some of you, that if I wasn't on the, on the huge stage, the spectacle and everything went with it, I would have hated it. Like, I love rugby. You. But I do. Me. me. No it's breaking you. Know, you. Know, yellow ticker along yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. The screen. Ask, to show needs a crowd. Yeah, but, I, but I think that I... I just love it. And the reason you want to become a professional rugby player is, is obviously to be the best, but to excel at your sport and to play on the big stage and have everything that goes with it. You know, the privilege of playing in front of people, playing in full crowds, you know, paying, getting paid good money to, to do what you love. Um, and I think with, with uh, you know, the, all the crowds back in, it's changed the dynamic. Did, I think also, did you not see in every game that Ash played, he, 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 well, just before the anthem, he'd run around and go, oh, you entertained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you not love I mean, me? He's, he's been doing that on every square that he's been to in Rome. <laughs> I have. Um, but they, but I, I do think rugby's good because, again... You know, there's the great leveller now is everyone's as fit, everyone's as strong, everyone is 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 together. They've now got the crowds back. People have trying to develop this this kind of a better style of playing rugby. People want to play with their hands, and obviously because defences are still getting better, you've got to find that creativity, and that's why France, you know, have that. I think with the individual brilliance, like Entomac, like you know, going on an outside break, nice fend, and then a lovely looped offload inside to Dupont. That's the difference between a game breaker. That's those are, those are the players that will make the difference in this game. And I think each side's trying to to play well. And if you look at every side of the Six Nations, they've got guys that can do that. Even Italy today, yeah. and Zamon, um, you know, he has that ability. So Maury, Maury. You, you made a really uh, interesting point that the game has moved much more off nine at the moment. I mean, Dupont is obviously leading the way in that, but. Jamison Gibson yeah, Park in Paris as well, try. the lovely uh, try. Yeah. Nines are dictating it. 
which the French will love. Yeah, so enjoyed a petit so général. I think it's all about the speed of that ball. Eddie's talked about this before. You know, loads of coaches under three seconds. But even if the if the ball is there, play it because you're stopping those defenses flying up. What I'm noticing a lot in this Six Nations is how many are making breaks around the around the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Even the fast pick and goes through the middle because people are trying to get out to flood forward. Uh, and put, put people under pressure that if you can get that ball up and away as fast as possible or you can just do a quick pick and go, people aren't, the, the old guard and yeah. bodyguard as it was, are still so really sort of fluid, so they're still in movement, so you're always getting easy ball. And uh, yeah, we talked about, I, I said, I'm not the, I'm not the oracle, look, I'm not, but I did <laughs> say... On, how, you are amongst the three of us. Yeah. So I, I, did, I did say how key he would be to Ireland in terms of going forward and obviously scored that try yesterday. And same with Dupont, I said to you, just watch how fast the ball is moved away from yeah. rocks and breaks down. Ben, um, um, ben White last weekend at Murrayfield yeah. as well. Yeah, and I, I think that's what, we, that's what we talked to Eddie about last night with Harry Randall. I expect it to be yeah. like lightning. It's interesting that he said he wasn't quite up to speed, but he's literally a firecracker who looks in unbelievable neck and he's like, yeah, he's yeah. just a bit off the pace. Well, yeah, what is on the pace? But that is a really interesting point. So he's not saying he wasn't fit, he's no. just saying he has to adjust to the higher level of international I think, I think Eddie, I mean, he wouldn't necessarily articulate this out in um, public, and I'm putting words into his mouth, So, uh, but, uh, but what I've seen, when you get with England and you're with England for six, eight weeks, whatever it might be, training's faster, more intense, uh, professional, professionalism and standards raised far above the club, or certainly do under Eddie, or the, the experience of my clubs. Both fantastic clubs, everyone's professional, but those requirements are even more. What Eddie has always tried to do is then get the players who are back at these clubs to go back and not drop their standards to club standards, but maintain their own personal fitness, personal intensity, personal metrics that they have to achieve. Unfortunately, as I talked about in the podcast, clubs don't give a shit about England. Right? Truthfully, they say they do, but they don't. They're interested in what they're trying to do. And so actually, when you get back into a club schedule, which is much harder and more attritional, you know, the guys will naturally not do what they're supposed to do. And the players that do do, do, do what Eddie wants to do, the fitness staff want to do, will carry on and make it. So you have to kind of, it's not a nine to five job, it's a five to nine job. It's like, do what you need to do at the club. But then if you've got work on from England, or you know that when you get into England's, England squad, you're not quite at the level that's required, you have to do it. And I think his biggest frustration is he gets the guys to a standard, they're humming, and then, unfortunately, go back to the club and a little bit more relaxed, you know, get much more, you know, uh, sort of game time, not time to do the extras and work on you want. And then he comes back, and that's why he actually said last night with the World Cup squad, he hasn't for such a long period of time, and it's kind of proven by the fact that they got to the final, that he's able to get them into a mindset and everything else. And I think it's very, very difficult, and certainly the players, in my experience, that could do that were guys that were very self-reliant. And I think what he means is that you know, the, the way that England want to play, and actually when he first started, I know he always focused on uh, on defence, not necessarily attack, was a nine in motion, but the forwards in motion. You know, and I think the sides... What does that are, mean? So when the sides are pl playing well at the moment, there's nothing worse than coming to a breakdown, a nine running up to a breakdown, and forwards are standing still, waiting for the ball, and then what they do is they then catch the ball and start running. Yeah. The sides that are dangerous, and why Dupont does so well, is that he gets to a breakdown, if he sees out the corner of his eye, guards are loose or, or, or fanning out, he will take the ball and he'll have forwards coming in motion onto the ball. And basically, Eddie, Eddie's talked about it before, he worked out with a guy called Dean Benton, used to be the, the fitness trainer at England, that if you, broke, if you were running at a certain speed with a certain amount of force, you would break the, break the, the contact. And I think sides in the Six Nations, when they're in motion, will do that. Yep. You'll know a side is struggling, and when I think England have looked very pedestrian, is where you've got Kyle Sinclair standing still, Ellis Gaines standing still. You've got 10 out the back standing still. 
you want Ben Youngs or Randall coming onto the ball, two or three options at the line, because big men gravitate towards the breakdown, right? That's their job. If you're asking them to make two or three decisions, like, look, there's runners coming out, you, it's very difficult. Hence, you're seeing teams get cut up. If they're able to stand there, wait, look up, go, that's my man, right? You know, Haskett in the ball, he's standing still, coming, I then run onto it. It's very easy. But if I've got like two man tackles. Two man yeah, tackles, yeah. you've got to make decisions. And then the nine can have a look at it and go, do you know what? They've read that real well. Then it goes out the back to the 10, and then you've got more movement around 10. And that's what France are doing so well, and that's what these other sides are doing so well, and actually makes a massive difference. So this is, so this is frustrating. This is why. He's so good when he concentrates. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's one of the most interesting things you've yeah. said. <laughs> Thank this, you. This is why he, uh, so Eddie talks about this four phases, and still the most amount of points are scored in that first four phases. It's a momentum thing. Yeah. If you get fast ball, then the ball will co continuously get faster unless you yeah. make a checking pass where someone can make a good hit or someone just a fantastic read but that is it it's it's it goes bum 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 and then defenses all over the place you get an, you should get an offload and then you're, you and, should be away but if you so for example you get to the breakdown and you've got the first plays with a bit of motion but say the nine chooses the wrong option goes to a guy on a short ball he gets he gets hit by two players two players go down they're able to compete the ball slows down suddenly the next guys may have overrun yeah, yeah. you've got to reset Stop you go somewhere. again you go again you get caught then he goes do you know what we're actually getting no momentum here. That's when they choose to kick, yeah. put the pressure back on them, and then use a kick chase as a way to put momentum into the game. It's, that's what people say, but they don't, they don't realise it. They don't, they, because the fans, they go, oh, you're kicking too much, you're trying to do stuff. The worst point is if you were in motion going really well and then you kick away a ball, which actually you've got the defence on toast. But in three phases, if you've got nowhere and it's very pedestrian, they're competing quite hard, options aren't there. The, the likelihood of a turnover yeah. gets through the roof. That's what I mean. And then you, and you've got to protect it because imagine if you guys are standing still, and I'm running into the upright, like Ireland, watch, I just shout more. Mal, but if you've, got, if you've got real momentum and these guys aren't able to hold you up, that's what changes the game. And, and you'll see it, I think, with Randall today. But England, when they're at the best, guys at the line, options out the back door. And then when 10's got the ball, he's then got inside, outside, and then you've got you guys have held the width. And suddenly defences are like making decisions. That's what Tins are so good at. You know, say you're off line out plays or scrum plays, being able to read what the defence were doing. You're asking a prop. 40, you know, or 50 minutes into a game to come round a corner and suddenly he's got DuPont running at one shoulder, he's got someone coming at another shoulder, he's got a guy running a short line and 10 out the back. Like, what the hell do you do? And that's where teams get caught. You've got, you've got a crossfield kick back to a crossfield kick, you've never been under a crossfield kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Volleyball. Yeah. yeah, and that's what happens. And I, th and I think, you know, because teams are so fit, you will see them be able to do that. So you've got to make them work and uh, think. And it's very hard to do both. At the same time. I make it very, but look very difficult. But that's the key to, 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 I think, where teams are successful. Big tries, yes, as well for Cyril Bai for France and Thomas Francis for Wales. So the big men doing yeah. good stuff going forward as well. That, that Cyril Bai, what a finish with a yeah, full a like, arm, you know, getting turned, yeah. full arm extender. But, yeah, but he, he, but again, that that's is the equivalent exact, of a slam dunk. But that was also exactly how Has described. They picked momentum. He came yeah. around the court, full, full, full bar. Yeah. And broke a, broke a tackle and then go, go, get it on. 20 just thrown on the hoof. Without being out of noise, just quickly as well. If I'm on, on conversely, if you're on the defence point of view, right, the reason you rush up is then to close that space down to stop them getting any kind of momentum. It's, and so that's why if you can keep the line speed and pin them back, it makes our turnover ability really, really, really easy. You know, if you're having to chase the whole time and then you see these guys trying to go in to steal the ball, they then 
get caught penalised. So you always want to be on the front foot. Has anyone got uh, a bag full of two peas? Because I'm quite liking this house. Let's keep feeding it. No, I can do it if you want to do it. I can do it if you want to do it. Coming I've always been a noise. Do, do you feel that you the amount of times that people have just around the streets around and gone, that's cool, photo. Do you just feel about I'm, I'm going full noise? You are I'm going full noise. No, I will look. You are coming out in the Roman sunshine. But what people forget is that when I was a real student of the game around what I what I did, and I spent hours watching it and working on it and being really interested in it and focusing on it and, and developing my game. It just to sit out and watch the bigger picture beneath. This, are you not entertained? <laughs> beneath yeah, yeah, yeah. this comedic exterior beats the heart of a, of a true noise. Um, <laughs> well done, Jonathan Davis, who also got his 100th test cap. Well done, Wayne Pivac. It was a big seller for him at the full time yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, we've also sort of danced into France Island, but all aboard the hype train. How big a win for the World Cup next year? Look, we've, again, we've, we've been talking about for 18 months how good this French team is. Uh, now, the, last year, they obviously had the red card moment. They've had the little bits where you go, oh, there's the old France. But I don't think this young group of players, and we, t we talked about this with Eddie again yesterday, is that young players don't really carry historical defeats, they don't carry uh, historical stereotypes, they don't carry that. Uh, all I know is that French team is just laden, and they're getting better. You know, I think Villiers got better. I think Jaminet is getting better. You know, Fiku and... Uh, it's just has always been quality. Has Intermec now nailed down the ten shirt because they were sort of bringing? Uh, in... I, look, I think they're, they're very lucky with Jalabert or Intermec that they can they can they've got two tens that can run a game. For them. You know, that was the thing about big day for Carberry yesterday was yeah. whether he could stand up and he could fill in the shoes. And did you like it? Uh, in certain in certain bits, it they I mean, they were good. I think they got the run of play. I mean, everyone loves a restart try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Typical French. Show. Yeah, I got it. Oh, oh. Back on the you love my commentary, and we can't just repeat what <laughs> yeah, I said. Yeah. We were quietly singing at Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was very interesting when a guy... When it was Matt Hansen. Matt Hansen yeah, scored it. I saw Pe uh, Bolch did one of those in the warm-up game into, uh, against France as well. Where kick-off, he caught it, scored. It was like seven seconds. Because Clive had always said, it only takes seven seconds to score. Like, who scores in seven seconds? Oh, I've got to say, on yesterday's game, when I watched those first uh, few minutes and when Antimac made that break and offload, I was like, do you know what, Ireland, they looked like they were second best to yeah. lots, lots of areas. And I thought this is going to be a very difficult afternoon. I think credit to Ireland, you know, they, they, they did do well. But I, I do feel that this, France's individual players are so dangerous. Yeah. That's the thing, just in terms of the power, the footwork. I tell, I tell you what, I was impressed with with France yesterday, was building a score. They, only, they scored less tries than Ireland yesterday. Yeah. But they took points when they yeah. uh, easy threes. That's the sign of a team who know how to Structure you know, get, get things yeah. done, which they would never have done generally in the past. That's not sort of what they are. Um, and even with that dominance that they had, they didn't get cocky or arrogant, go for corners. They just built, built, and that ultimately won them the game. Because even when Ireland had that little purple patch and scored those points in that short period of time, yeah. because they'd taken points and they built that score, they were still. You know, what did they get? Four, they were four points behind or whatever. Yeah. No, they got to two, one point behind, didn't they? 22-21 or whatever. It's so good to see the Stade de France jumping as well. Yeah. We, we've spoken a lot about big stadiums and actually when that place gets going, yeah. we, we haven't really spoken about it in the last 15 years because no. it hasn't really ever been at its best. But when it gets going, mm. it is remarkable. The Tricolore and the yeah. Marseilles. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, they've, they've just got a team chock full of really kind of 
talented young players with no fear, no back catalogue, no yeah. politics. They binned everyone else. Gautier, they yeah. sit, you know, in charge. You've got Sean. I mean, it's interesting. Sean Everson was never in the coaching box, so he's obviously uh, uh, locked you know, in a cage, yeah. <laughs> screaming down the mic in, in broken Northern French. Um, <laughs> and but you know, Rafael Ibanez there, and the, I, they just in a, they're in a really good place. Uh, and I think. For me, we, we, you know, I don't know. I've They've seen... got the classiest-looking management yeah. group. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever it goes to the, whenever it goes to the booth, you're like, God, yeah. they look yeah. good. Yeah. Tailored suits, suits booted, yeah. designed their glasses. Yeah. And they've got great-looking players. I mean, some of our <laughs> some of our partners were getting very excited about the, <laughs> the French team. They, you know, they're like, oh, French. Delicious. The one other thing, just before we head to the stadium, I want to talk is we were talking about empty stadiums, and I think in the last couple of years, away wins have absolutely rocketed. Slightly nervous saying this, given that we've yeah. yet to play, but five home wins in the Six Nations yeah. so far, which just goes to show the power of well, the power of the crowd support. Yeah, it's not it's not a rocket science. When when uh, bookies for years and years always rate the home team, they always yeah. give you that. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in a you're in a familiar environment. The day is easier because you're not yeah. you know, you're not doing things that everything's set out in your own way. And unless when I played for Stade Français, that we lived in Paris, they made us stay in a hotel further out of Paris to come <laughs> back in again on a, on a home day, what? a home game. Well, because they were concerned that the French and Argentinians wouldn't eat properly. They just go missing, and it was like we had to go and herd. It's, it hurt, be herded into this place in the woods. And on a, on a game day where we had a kickoff at seven in the evening, they'd wake you up at, se at seven thirty for a muscular reve. And you were like, "What? What? Why am I you doing this?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, um, and obviously not anymore. But um, do you know what? I, got, I keep making jokes, right, about like nefarious activities. My wife's a massive fan of the podcast, and she keeps saying, you've got to stop making... I'm like, it's not true. We're just playing up to it because the lads are... Nat's in her head. You can't... She's in her head. You can't not perform. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. But she doesn't realise that. She, she's like, yeah, He's so... good as gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's the next T-shirt. Are you not entertained? <laughs> are you not entertained? <laughs> muscular Reve with a wig. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, in the gym called the Sal de Musculasse. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never visited one, but I think that's the terminal Yeah, you've sat on a cross trainer in your aerobics headband. Calisthenics. Stadio Olympico to come, but just as a just an overall snapshot, two thirds of the way through weekend two, it's it's a good tournament this yeah, year. Yeah, it's exactly what we hoped it'd be. Yeah. It's what it's it's not one in the thirtieth minute. It's not no games are dead and buried. Yeah. Uh, even the it Italy game last week went into the sixtieth minute before French power just took over. Yeah, um, it is what we wanted it to be. What we wanted it close. We wanted it to be running into the the last 10 minutes of the game with everything to play for. And we've had that in yeah. numerous games. And Five games, just get three one-score finishes, I think. Yeah. 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 But I, I, th I think that's just going to keep going the way, because what, what is the dividing factor between teams now? All preparation's the same, fitness is the same. It comes down to executing a game plan. The mental side of the game is hugely important, and the ability to perform on the day. I, don't think, I, th I just think it's going to continuously keep getting closer. Yes, you'll have some of those one-sided defeats at, at some point, but actually... Consistently, that's going to be the case. And until they change the rules around substitutions, you're essentially bringing on a whole fresh team. Yeah. So where, where's the dip? Yeah, where's yeah. the dip in the in the performance? Um, I'm, I'm very excited about today. I hands down, this is the best rugby tournament in the world. I, lo I do love the, the rugby championship in you know with with New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, and Argentina. But to be honest, for me, this is the best. God, different aren't we positive, eh? Hey, different towns, different weekends. The sunshine and uh, limoncello. Yeah. <laughs> Stop mentioning. Yeah, are you sponsored by limoncello? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing to tell you about is we are, as you know, doing uh, a tour of the four home unions in partnership with Vodafone. This is for the British and Irish Lions 
uh, supporting grassroots campaign and the return to club rugby. On ne uh, this Saturday coming, as you listen to it, the 19th of February, we are off across the bridge to Aberdare RFC. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. I'm back into my coaching tracksuit for the Aberdare Minis. Are you going to be a little nicer to the kids than you were? No, because apparently yellow carding and red carding children get really upset. <laughs> but they were insolent and they didn't do as they were told. We're offsetting Hask with Ken Owens, who's going to be fantastic. Oh, oh Chairman Ken. Chairman. Oh, he's good. Chairman. He loves local rugby. Yeah. Come on, definitely. Never knowingly not nausing. Def a blazer and definitely yeah. a club tie. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, tie and blazer badge set. He's like one of those sort of military brigadiers with sort of reams of oh, yeah. club badges yeah. on his uh, he, yeah. patchwork of club badges. Um, we are also going to be doing a live show in the clubhouse in the evening, which is apparently sold out. Uh, so well done to the people who've put the tickets out. Di Young uh, and Fiona Lewis are going to come down as well, so very much looking forward to seeing them. Thank you to Vodafone, who are driving this and are supporting us in doing it, uh, and very much getting involved in the grassroots game. They are also developing a resource on their V-Hub for all community clubs across the UK and Ireland, and that's going to help the small businesses develop their digital capabilities following the pandemic, which we know is much needed at the moment. So keep your eyes peeled in spring 2022 for the Brilliant Toolkit. Uh, we are looking forward to a bumper day. Can't wait to get stuck in. If you're in the area uh, and you fancy coming along to Aberdeer RFC on Saturday, we look forward to seeing you there. We've had a wonderful time with England Rugby Travel this weekend. They've looked after us extremely well. Defibrillators and dialysis, I think, on Monday and Tuesday after my two limoncellos. <laughs> yeah. And maybe a lie down. And do not forget as well, we've got some shooting days. We have got some lunches. We've got all sorts of stuff. You can find it on our Good Bird Rugby. There's basically a million opportunities for you to come and gnaws us up. So yeah. if, you, if you're a real Kino and want to get involved... Well, you down. are now a real yeah, Kino. Yeah, yeah. So no. come and Kino... Have a keynote off. Wait, so, Ask has completely changed. So, please come and ask him. He loves talking no, rugby. So, no. please stop him in the street. Even if you're on the other side of the road, shout Haskell and then come over. Um, we are going to go to the game. One other thing to tell you about our next episode in partnership with City Index will be in Marlebone. We're going to be at Green King's Pub, The Globe, hosted by Red Bull, who are providing the best seat in the house of the Six Nations. If you're in the area on Monday, the 21st of February, we'd love to see you. Come on down and uh, keep an eye on our social channels if you fancy coming and listening to a bit more rugby nausing and having a beer or two with the gang. Right, before we do anything else, in our baggage this week, we've brought our new friends for the Six Nations. Domino. 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 The pizzas. Joshua, welcome oh. to you. Uh, it gives us a moment to have a quick sort of a few nominees for our dough baller. Gadonk. Um, nominees for dough baller of the week. Ooh, I would go, I'd probably still sit back to the France game. Or you could go Villiers or you could go Pinot. I think they were outstanding this okay. weekend. Probably Pinot because he did that volley as well. Yeah. He is a baller. Darcy Graham, nice little try against Wales. In all fairness, feet, feet that will pay you all day long. I'm, I'm going to throw in Mac Hansen as well. Matt, yeah. From the Brumbies, in at Connacht, six yeah. months at the, at the club, and now just plucking pies out of the Dreams. skies. <laughs> Dreams. Dreams. Um, does anybody from uh, here in Rome... No, I, look, I don't think England really... They didn't really get out of second gear today. Right. Um, but I thought Don Brandt did very well. I thought yep. he carried really well. Armand Ellis. Uh, it's funny because we I was at the ground, you stayed here to watch it. Um, obviously, Ellis dropped a couple in the start and then came back strong. But you don't really see it if you've not got the commentary telling you. Yeah. He carved up with a few carries, yeah. a little threaded yeah, pass. Nice, yeah. nice. 
Marcus Smith was good again. Mm. Yeah. Lovely pass for the Elliot Daily Oh, lovely pass. Lovely yeah. pass. So, so who is our dough baller of the week? Nominate. I think it has to come from France. It's the best game of the weekend. So you're going to go say. France rather than Mac Hansen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're going... Pernod. Pernod. I'd go Mac Hansen, but we'll go with Damien Pernod. You, even... you knocked me down last week. You knocked me so down Damian this week. So Damien gets... He up. gets 50 quid worth of Domino's pizza vouchers, which he may need to cash in when he comes to... What's his next away game? Oh, he could cash them in up in Murrayfield. Yes, he can. I don't even know if Domino's working for Of course they do. They're a global brand. If they don't, they do now. They're an amazing brand that are global. They are indeed. Uh, Okay, perfect. So that is our Doughball of the Week. Well done, Damien Pernod. I don't think it's the last time he's going to be Doughball of the Week. Uh, He is on Fuego right now. Uh, A reminder as well, Domino's offering 50% off pizza when you spend £30 or more online. Your perfect Six Nations match day partner. A big thank you to the team at Domino's. We are having a lot of fun with this collaboration. Um, we, what, what we're not getting a lot of love for is you stuffing your face as we're meant to be talking. Look, so should we eat, fast forward this bit, yeah. and then come back in? Yeah, but I just, every time, time people put feed in front of, food, feed, food food in front of me, like I think a horse. Eat you eat like a horse. I am. Right, quickly, pause. Well, sadly, the weekend is coming to an end. I am actually sad. I am I'm sad. actually, it's been a hell of a weekend. And right here, you can see the glow of the Stadio Olimpico, where England have won um, at a canter. You've called it 35 10, I think you called it. Chloe 30, said 2010. 2010. Is it one of those games where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't? Yeah, it always has been. And I, I do think that England will feel a little bit disappointed. They didn't really get out of that gear. There was loads of good stuff, but then there was, they sometimes, they messed around <coughs> a bit. You know, there's a lot of handling pat-on, errors as well. Pat-on passes that yeah. then led to handling errors and bits and pieces. Um, yeah, it, it didn't go how they wanted. But you take what Hass said earlier, get back on the horse, move on to two weeks' time. Rumours of Italy's improvement greatly exaggerated? Or was it just a bit more? I mean, obviously a better scoreline. Yeah. In terms of performance, it was better. Any points at home. Yeah, listen, it was better. But unfortunately, you know, the the realistic situation with Italy is they're not particularly good. They, they, They have better players in their team. They have some more creativity. They actually made some good line breaks against England. There was some great offload. But that final, that ability to have the final score was probably missing. But actually, there were some great bits of play, some nice offloads from Italy, some excitement. The potential is there. The skill set is there. Have they moved on 100%? Are they ready to compete with essentially a top five side of the world? No, they're not. You know, did England look better with Harry Randall playing? Uh, and, and uh, you know, and the guys coming onto the ball, yes, they look fast. Were they over-egging it, probably putting too much pressure on their skill set and dropping the balls because they were so eager to get over the game line? Yeah, but when they were in motion, they looked a completely different side. Is it a great afternoon rugby? Probably not. Do we win and move on? Absolutely. Saturday was the winner. Yeah. And yeah. um, just talk, talk to me about the tempo of England because it looked much faster and much more intense to play than at Murrayfield. Yes, but this is what Hass goes on about, skill sets pulling things out of the bag. They should be looking to up the speed, up the tempo. But, and this is um, what Lawrence was talking about earlier in the green room is, is if you keep changing, how do you get a consistency in how you do that? And I think England are the better team when they play at high tempo, high speed, and put people in an uncomfortable position that are playing against them defensively. That's why you want the Harry Randalls. That's why Marcus Smith should be there. Um, but you've got to do it week in, week out. And we change, We sometimes pick from a toolbox because you might fear Finn Russell. Like last week, I thought England tried to take him out of the game. They tried to lift him out of the game. Now, whether that's a tactical decision or whether that's the right tactical decision only only comes true, uh, only comes... Um, to fruition. To fruition if you win. 
So they would say they lost last week. So why didn't they just go out and play yeah. and have a have a gunslinger, Marcus Smith versus Finn Russell? But it's not that easy. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's margins, it's hairline margins, and you know, enough about hairline, Steve. Yeah, there's, <laughs> fine margins. there's definitely a lot of fine, <laughs> very margins fine margins. We, we've said before on this show, we love tens who score tries. Yes. And the threat of Marcus Smith, ball in hand, yeah. we're beginning to see that. Yeah, we are. I mean, he, he does it all the time for, for Quinns. Yeah. He knows when to pick a gap. I thought, yeah, no, he, but the fact that he can carry that on at international level... Well, it doesn't matter, does it? No, it's and I think, I think the beauty of, of, of a ten is we talked about it in the show in the week. You don't want your ten to have all the X factor. You need for him to have the ability to just distribute and let other players do the work. Is why Johnny Wilkinson was so good at times, because he had Mike Cat, had tens outside him, dictating the picture... But that beautiful ball to Max Maidens. Max Maidens back inside. He knew to run that inside line. Gets to score a try. Thumbs up. Lid everywhere. What but, more do you need? But also then when, he, when he's chasing back and he's under pressure and he just beats one guy, beats yeah. the next guy, then he does a big... He's got that great goose. Yeah. yeah. He jumps in the air. And was like... And also when he, slot, when he slotted into 12 as well, you know, he clears some good rucks. You know, you don't want your number 10 in there at the cold face all the time, but it's nice to see they can do it. Because some of them are like... It would be quite nice if we bruised him up a bit. Yeah, because someone like this, <laughs> they can't, you know, oh, I don't they have this little lean on it. But he was head down, which is nice. Um, word on Ellis. Uh, look, it you was... Put out a nice tweet. I did, yeah. It was interesting because... Um, the first half, there's a couple of errors, but actually I thought uh, off England's first try, he carried brilliantly well, was very strong, um, and I thought his lovely threaded pass... Uh, to Jamie George to score in the corner. You know, we talk about New Zealand and their ability to play with the ball and the fact that they can have that transition uh, ability in loose play. And we've sort of had a, a lot of, for a lot of, long time, a crop of English props who would be terrified of the ball. You've now got Ellis Genge with that ability to pass and, and thread the ball. And, you know, he, he's just an out and out. Great what I like about it, if you sit in the stand and you watch him, so obviously we scored that try and he walks up, he starts walking back to the halfway and then he's like, actually, no, I need to pump some people's tyres up. Turns around, walks back and he's arse tapping. And there was a lovely moment as well where there was a really unfortunate injury. I didn't actually see who the Italian player was, but Ellis yeah. was straight on to the medics saying... We I need, actually we messaged need... Ellis to find out because I didn't see which, which Italian no, player it was. I said, can you let us know and we'll let... It. That everyone, he's okay. I saw a bit of controversy as well about Jack Knoll on social media during the game. Yeah. That he got HIA and that someone didn't step in. It's a tough one because he got up and carried he, on playing. He went off eventually. He did go off eventually, but the argument is should, should someone have sort of died and stopped him? him. Yeah, yeah, essentially, which I think is unrealistic. But I think the right thing happened at the end because obviously he got a bit sparked out, then carried on, carried on playing for like 90 seconds and then was taken off. But the right decision was made. And I think that's all you can do because you can't have physios running in and tackling people, I don't think. It's not a great look. Um, I would like Fizzy to shout out, there, there was an old fella who sat very close to us and took a tumble down the uh, stadium steps. So I hope he's okay. He's definitely in hospital tonight. Uh, massive gash on his head, but uh, he was with his son. So hopefully his son's looking at Fingers crossed. Quite well True. on Tom Curry, who had tonsillitis all week as well. I think he did 65 odd minutes, but just uh, hustle, yeah, bustle, just continues to give you know, eight out of he ten. Was, he was, again, yeah, eight out of ten, just chopping, doing his job, cleaning things up. Um, Nearly scored as well, didn't he? One yeah, with a great yeah. charge. There was some, uh, you know, there were good performances. Out there. I thought Marrow great, actually looked slightly better yeah. as well. I thought like Charlie Ewells. Yeah. I, I do because he was more involved and yeah. actually he's a bigger carrier. Of, Charlie Ewells obviously has a massive hand because he did that carry and he was like... Yeah, trying to look I for it. I was like, please throw it. Just but, throw it. But interesting because you think as well with Charlie Ewells as a player because he doesn't have that... He's actually a really lovely guy. He doesn't have that, I wouldn't say, that outwardly aggressive exterior. He was actually throwing himself into tackles. I thought it was a, quite a nice balance. Zeke was yeah. really good as well yeah, with yeah. some of the carries. Carried. Yeah. When they come from deep, 
It was Don Brandt as well. Okay, look, is it a classic afternoon of rugby? Absolutely not. Has the vista, the enjoyment of Rome and everything that goes with it been better than the game? Absolutely, but that's sometimes rugby. Did we win? Of course, and we move on. Have we had a joyous weekend? We, we did have a joyous weekend. Had, a quick reminder, if you haven't already seen it, um, we did some filming with Hask and your pal, Bertie. But no one loves you more predictor than Bertie. Predictor Bert, does he? Well... I don't know. I think he likes Chloe a bit more than he likes me, but anyway. If you haven't seen it, it's a bit like Paul the Octopus from the 2010 Football World Cup. Uh, Bertie is predicting the Six Nations outcomes. He's gone well. He got two out of three in round one. This week, he went for a draw in the Ireland-France game, which actually is a hell of a result. He went for, unfortunately, didn't come in, uh, Wales to win over Scotland, which got right in England to win in Italy. Yeah. So two out of three again. Four out of six. It's not bad for a dog. Thank you to City Index as well, who've made Bert the predictor a reality. Um, and our good friends at City Index, obviously, the leading provider of spread betting, CFD and FX trading. We are busy over the next few weeks. Obviously, we're going to be at Twickenham for the Wales and Ireland games. Um, best bit of the weekend still to come? Uh, well, maybe. Yeah. I, I would say lemoncello, lemon sorbet. Yeah. Seagulls. And seagulls no, on the first very, day, opposite the Coliseum. I'm going to feel lonely. Well, interacting with the fans is great I'm as well, but... I'm going to feel lonely, because my two chums are leaving me. But I'll get over it. You'll get over it pretty quickly. That is it. After an absolute cracker, the reason Italy are often said to be in the Six Nations is for weekends like the one we've just had. Thank you to Rome. Thank you to England Rugby Travel as well. Uh, we've been The Good, The Bad and The Rugby in partnership with City Index. We will see you next week. The show is produced by Sam Robertson, pulled together by the world-class fixer Josh Peacock this week. Welcome to the credits. Uh, the Good, The Bad and The Rugby is a folding pocket production. Look after yourself. See you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Good, The Bad and The Rugby. It can't have been easy.